The Education Channel supports individual educational goals and encourages creativity for all. Visit uctv.tv slash education. Welcome, everyone. I'm Morgan DePell, Assistant Dean for Education and Community Outreach at the Division of Extended Studies at UC San Diego, and this is Creative Conversations. In our last episode, we were introduced to Fundacion Tumacio and had an opportunity to explore the non-conventional ways in which highly involving and synergistic strategies served as catalysts for creating capacity, social capital, and community well-being in southeastern Tijuana. Recurring themes in this work included the importance of moving at the speed of goodwill and trust, consensus building, translating purpose into action with a sense of urgency, the smaller wins that mean a lot, and most importantly, resilience. But what do these strategies look like when they are acted upon? In other words, how do we move from purpose to action in very specific ways? And perhaps more importantly, how do we know that things are working as they should? I am joined in the virtual studio today by Tonya Bigrese and Dalia Rodriguez, Two visionary leaders from Fundacion Tumacio who will provide additional context for this work through the Avante program and focus supports for a local school that fell victim to the pandemic. Tony, Dalia, welcome. I'm excited to dive a bit deeper into the work of the foundation at a very local level. Before we get started, might you tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you both became involved in Fundacion and this type of work in general. So, Tonya, perhaps we can begin with you. Well, briefly, um, I would like to tell you that I'm an educator and I have been working for the NGOs for 40 years. And uh, I retired in the 2014. Uh, I was working at the International Community Foundation uh, in Tijuana, at the same time that Richard Kai was working in as a director in the ICF, the International Community Foundation in San Diego. And I'm telling you this because um, we have a very beautiful uh, collaboration. And we bring together the two foundations uh, as a true partnership. Uh, it was uh, great. And we learn a lot about uh, how can two foundations work together in different countries. Um, after my retirement, I worked um, as a social uh, consultant for NGOs and foundations, and that's how I met uh, Thomas Jean. Uh, I began, um, I was hired by uh, Fundacion Thomas Jean as a consultant, and I saw a well-consolidated foundation a very important with a very important structure and um, they have guidelines and after a few months Antonio and Clemente directors of the board asked me to to join the the foundation Tubajo and I have been working for with them for five years and I can tell you that um, it has been I'm so happy and I worked full time for the now for the foundation. I promise I was not going to work anymore full time, and that's that's a lie. And that's a lie because, as you mentioned in the in the other um, session, you say that working with people and helping people is an addiction, addiction, and it is an addiction. When you start, you cannot stop. So that's uh, 
you know, very briefly what I have been doing for um, and how I met uh, Fundación Tumayo. Tonya, after a lifetime dedicated to this work, it seems as though it is something from which you can't retire. If it's part of your DNA, if it's, um, you know, as addictive as you say, uh, it looks like you have a lot more work in front of you. Now, Dalia, you are uh, an incredible resource uh, for the Fundación and to Avante, which you'll discuss later. Uh, could you um, perhaps introduce yourself and tell us how you came into this line of work? Yes, of course. Uh, good morning, uh, Morgan, staff and audience. Yes, my name is Dalia Rodriguez. I was born and raised in Tijuana. I've been a fan of the work done by the Fundación Tumayo for many, many years. And finally, I became an active part of it. I, I have a degree in business, um, international business. And I'm the director of Avante, uh, which is the educational program of Fundación Tumayo. It is a real pleasure to be in this conversation with all of you. So, Dalia, how do you get from being a fan to being actually on the team? Well, because I finally said yes. I was working in the manufacturing industry, and also I was working with a um, uh, developer of real estate. And we always uh, were in in close contact with communities, with um, less privileged uh, communities, and. I, I was being um, very involved uh, and very aware of the works that the Fundación Tumasio was uh, doing. And finally, I received a board, um, an invitation from the board to join them. Uh, so that's why I'm here tonight, today. And was it a big change from work in manufacturing, work in international business to do this sort of work in community development? Well, in both, we as uh, social responsible companies, we are very uh, in very close contact with the community. So, uh, in this kind of work in the Fundación Tumas, Yo, I'm I, I'm doing this directly with the community with no intermediary. So, um, I'm in the other phase, I'm in the other part of the work right now. Fantastic. Um, the last time in our, in our last episode, we really talked about sort of broad-based approaches to community uh, development and uh, capacity building uh, with, with the Fundación. And, and Tonya, I know that much of your time in, in Cañadas del Florido has been dedicated to transforming a local school, one that suffered several acts of vandalism and theft during perhaps what we would call the worst part of the pandemic. I'm hoping maybe you could um, help us set the stage to understand why was it so important to work at this school? Why was it so important for the work of the foundation and using the school as a rallying point for members of the community? Perhaps you could talk about who was involved in the effort and how it was led? Well, Morgan, I would like to um, go and explain the process that we went through. Uh, and then we can see how we end in the in the school. And uh, the Fundación Tumayo uh, changed their activities, as uh, Antonio and Alex uh, mentioned, uh, but without leaving the DNA, which was the community service. But the circumstances of the pandemic pushes us to take new directions to the foundation, for the foundation. In December 2019, the pandemic alert emerged saying 
stay at home. And Morgan, you know that you and all the people are here and many people can stay at home and work from home. But our question was, how are we going to tell our people in the community that they have to stay at home? Because uh, they must work for the daily food. It was impossible to tell them you have to stay at home. So um, how can we help the community in this situation? Uh, you know, it was happening that when we received a letter from the ONU, uh, that we belong to the Global Pact from several years, and they mentioned that most of the NGOs were helping the uh, hospitals and the health centers. But they were concerned about, for example, garbage collection in the city, or they were concerned about the public transportation. You know, what, what would have happened if the uh, transportation collapsed? or the garbage collection collapse. It would have been a chaos in the hospitals, in the city. So uh, talking with the, uh, you know, our board of directors uh, and analyzing these aspects of the ONU, um, they decided uh, to start a program that we called on a, on a safe route, meaning that we were going to help the transportation close to our community center, you know, because all these people, they have to go to work. It was impossible to tell them stay at home, you know. So uh, we start this program um, and we ask donors and it's, we're so proud to tell you that in a few weeks, all these uh, people gave us money to start the program and we gave the drivers of the buses, all the equipment and we put in the, in the buses, you know, the face mask and the gel um, and something very important. We put the space, you know, for a safe, um, how, do, how do you say the, the safe uh, distance. But we saw, we learned that the people didn't know what was going on. You know, why do we have to use masks? Why do you have to use gel? So we designed a flyer that they could read and understand. That was the first lesson that education came to us. You know, we have to educate these people and tell them what's going on because stay at home was a nonsense. So um, the program was a success. Uh, of course, we select the, the transportation that is close to our community and because we couldn't help all the buses in the city, you know, so we select just the, the transportation near to our to our community. The the program was, you know, we have the program for several months, and then we found out that the uh, dynamic of the families was uh, they live at home at five, four or five in the morning stay away of the house all day, come back at seven or night. And the pandemic was there and the schools were closed. So our question was, and the children, how, what, what are we going to do with, with, with the children? They stay alone at, uh, in the house. 
the, the schools were closed for, uh, you know, for, for two years. Um, the secretary um, of uh, um, education, SEP, gave classes, but the problem it was that all these classes was uh, perfect for private schools or schools near the city. But our communities, they didn't have the technology, they didn't have computers, they didn't have anything to take the classes. So they left the schools, the schools were alone and what happened, they were vandalized. So parents at work with one cellular, maybe when they come back to the house, they, they have the cellular or maybe it was no more, uh, how say, um, enough uh, payment in the cellular to continue using it. So the kids actually, they were um, alone, you know. Uh, two years from March, uh, I, can, I remember the date, March 26 to March 28, the schools were uh, closed. Uh, the problem aggravate, I, I told you because it was, uh, the schools were vandalized. Uh, the children we have began to start uh, small jobs, you know, selling candies or maybe uh, washing uh, cars so they could collect like 50 pesos, 60 pesos, and then go back to their homes with a small amount of money. Parents were happy because they bring money, you know, and it was impossible to take classes. So for two years, these kids didn't have any classes. Uh, the problem increased, you know, when you have kids alone in a, in a house, you know, what are, what are they doing? And uh, also it was a big problem with the teachers because the teachers became, uh, they lost uh, motivation, you know, they couldn't teach, they couldn't have, they couldn't be in contact with the directors of the school or neither the, the, the kids. So it was a, a big problem. Um, in January of uh, 22, uh, the, the government said, you can go back to classes. And fine, yeah, the people in Tijuana went, went back to, to school uh, and public or private, but the people in the city. But again, and our children, how are they going to go back to the school if it's vandalized? You know, they don't have bathrooms, they don't have uh, uh, classrooms, they don't have anything. So. It was impossible to tell them go back to, to school. And that's when we start thinking about, you know, we need to change completely and concentrate on the school and put these kids to school, fix the bathrooms, the classes. Uh, and it was now, Another um, another way for the uh, to work for the foundation. When we start doing this at, to the school, we didn't want to have to go back to a traditional school. We wanted to go back uh, uh, with a new face, with a new with new programs. We wanted to 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 just a drastic change and rebuild this decide rebuilding the school. We need to have, um, you know, as I said, bathrooms, classrooms, and create a model for education. So um, we start we start thinking on extracurriculum classes, 
with financial study, um, give, give them financial studies and technology. We need, and, and Dalia is going to explain uh, the, the Avante program that borns because we needed to give them the tools so they could have these, these classes. So um, our goal was to have a higher level of education. Of course, they have to follow the SEP uh, program. That's, mm. that's not optional. They have to follow the SEP, but we have to give them something to add something to, to, to the program. Mm -hmm. um, just to finish this, um, uh, we have to think that the kids lost two years. So think about this. The kids that are right now in junior high, they didn't go through fourth to fifth and sixth grade. See, the kids right now, they know how to read, but they don't understand what they read. The kids right now, they do mathematics, they add and they, they subtract, but they don't know why or for what, you know? So uh, the level of education right now is fourth grade. So that was a very concern for us. It's very sad, and that's why uh, we didn't stop on saying this is very sad. We put our hands to work, and that's how. Um, and Dalia will explain how Avante started. So, Tony and, and Dalia, let me just uh, make sure that 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 I understand the picture because this is seems to be really a multifaceted and, and multi-layered and very complex challenge. So, of course, you are going to have learning loss. And we know here in the United States, here in California in particular, uh, we're looking at at least a year. I know that in some parts of the world, it's exponentially worse. Uh, I know that there is also beyond learning loss, content loss, there is also sort of the trauma associated, the socio-emotional trauma associated with it. And um, Dahlia, perhaps, you know, I think we're trying to envision what this school looked like. Tony, you mentioned it was vandalized. You mentioned that there were several repairs. But Dahlia, perhaps you could tell us a little bit when you when you saw the school, what were your impressions? Well, my first impression, and I, uh, what I am shedding when I present this project, is um, that I was pre, um, in a war zone. Everything was vandalized. Uh, they were there were no toilets. They were uh, windows uh, chattered. Uh, it I couldn't believe it. it. It was very shocking to me, and exactly. Um, the way that I, I always describe this is being in a war zone. It was so painful uh, to see a school like that. They, uh, the, these persons that do this damage, they, uh, they didn't even um, save something valuable. They just uh, damaged uh, this, this facility. And that was my, my first impression. And now... When I see the pictures of before and after, I really uh, can't believe it. We're talking about the same school. I think uh, that was the impression you and your staff um, felt when you uh, guys were visiting. And Dali, could you tell us a little bit uh, about the school itself? What, what level of students does it serve? Is it, it's, a, it's a public school, I assume. Yes, of course. It's a public elementary school 
in in our country, uh, the elementary school consists in five in six grades, from obviously from uh, first to, to six. Uh, we have a population of approximate uh, to twelve twelve hundred uh, kids um, coming from from all parts of the of the country. Um, there's a lot of internal immigration. Maybe the kids were born in Tijuana, but certainly most of the parents have not. They're coming from other cities to look for the for a better uh, job, for a better a way of life, because you know always the border is portrayed as, as since it's closer to the USA, it's uh, it, it, it it can offer better possibilities. So. This is why uh, all these people and uh, all those farmers are migrating to our, our city. And, and we receive with uh, open hands, but uh, that sometimes can be uh, a problem because they are not uh, enough services or enough uh, schools. But uh, this is a way I can portray uh, the, the school right now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's an interesting model that you both propose because... My sense is that this was not a school that was doing a lot of online education previously. It was face-to-face. And I remember actually seeing the campus and really seeing that in many cases it it was stripped bare or, uh, you know, uh, things were destroyed, things were um, stolen from it. And um, I, I find it intriguing that you'd go from a very much in-person model to a model that is also based um, in in part online. And the model is is intriguing because it is a hybrid model and you're actually establishing a space uh, for that. And I know as educators, Dahlia, we are very much aware of not only the digital divide, so it's not a matter of have and have not, but it's really a series of digital divides that are growing into chasms. And I think we talked about that in our last episode, but these are divides that negatively impact learners who don't have access to technology. So it's not really just I have it or I don't, but it's the degrees of having not. It has to do with speed. It has to do um, with with things like memory. And I know that Avante, the 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 work that you oversee, um, attends to that. So I'm hoping you could talk a little bit about Avante and how does it connect to your work in Cañadas del Florido specifically? Well, our Avante program precisely aims to reduce this educational gap offering students and teachers from this school access to the new educational technologies. Uh, it's named Avante, which means virtual access for the new educational technology refers. So the main two objectives of this program is first, number one, to offer equipment and knowledge so students and teachers can not only know but dominate the educational platforms that are available for online education. And number two, I might say to implement the content of our educational program, which consists in a wide range, very complete courses to these students and teachers so they can potentiate their education horizons, incentivize their interest or passion for learning more, thus allowing them to have a better professional future. Um, 
I think in this way is how Fundación Tomas Yo looks to contribute for cities in construction, which I might say it's its main mission. Mm -hmm. And could you tell me a little bit about the online curriculum? Is it solely curriculum that is developed in Mexico or is it also, are you able to access content uh, from the United States regionally? Okay, of course. Well, right now this program consists in eight courses in which, by the way, UCSD, my university, participates. Um, uh, we have our courses uh, from emprendedurism, financial courses. Uh, we have also STEAM courses, and that's uh, our curriculum right now. But these possibilities uh, are expanding because of the connection or the alliances, uh, for example, with my Universidad from UCSD, we have access to a broader uh, themes for a broader um, group of people like students, like teachers, like even parents. And that's how our educational program is conformed right now. But it's very flexible. It's really a, a comprehensive effort. So you have parents and teachers and students all together, um, somewhat speaking a common language in a different dialect. And I think that this um, type of education is is unique. And from, from your vantage point, how do you think everything is going? I think it's very good. They are so excited to participate because they are uh, very uh, realistic about the value of these courses. Uh, they know they have a cost and we are as a foundation and working with our, our allies, we are uh, giving these um, courses for free. And, but not only the, the financial cost, they, we are always um, telling them how, um, how lucky, if I can use that word, how lucky they are to obtain these educational resources from uh, such important organizations like UCSD, like um, for instance, we work uh, with a company Best, uh, called Besta, which is a very well-renowned um, company that is devoted to the develop development of industrial parks. And also through them, we are giving some courses of uh, entrepreneurism. So they are so happy, uh, meaning the community, so happy to receive this content. And especially because with this type of actions, we are um, putting this uh, elementary public school to the level of a private school, or maybe in a better position, talking about program, the educational hybrid content we are offered to them. So they are taking this opportunity. They are collaborating with us. Parents are thrilled about this. And it's uh, such a, it's, it has a very high social impact, but also it's a beautiful uh, labor. And all of this is taking place at the school. Exactly. Mainly at our school, but also uh, the facilities of our community center. Uh, uh, actually, in a few days, we are going to inaugurate our first hybrid classroom in this, uh, in this school in Pentel Cañas and Florido. So there's not only about the um, rehab of a facility, uh, or yes, exactly, but also to open this digital education content 
for them in their school, not only for the students, not only for the teachers, but the community in general. You don't have to be a student to receive this uh, education. You, uh, even you don't have to live nearby, in the nearby areas to have access to this um, educational program we are offering. It's, it's very exciting. Tonya, perhaps I could go back to you because this really seems to, to represent very well the type of work that the foundation is doing, um, which is truly binational. And I know in San Diego, we talk very much about the fluidity of culture, language, socioeconomics, things that inextricably intertwine us at a region. But a lot of these things, when we talk about them, they're very large scale. They're very big sweeping initiatives. Maybe you could tell us um, how this is being played out at the Fundacion, for example, smaller scale partnerships with the Junior Chamber of Commerce and, and UC San Diego. I'm in charge of the fundraising and alliance. So that's the key for us, alliance. And uh, we live in a region, you know, that we, Tijuana, San Diego region, you know. So to have the relate this relationship with uh, other organizations in, in San Diego and um, open the lives for the kids, we have to teach them that uh, the, the world doesn't end at the border, that there is another country. We have to learn, and this is a win-win, because also the kids in, in San Diego will learn the same, you know, and will respect um, the, of the way that we live. And the children, um, they will have the opportunity to um, learn another language, technology, uh, respect, competition, healthy competition, you know, uh, even scholarships. We have to talk with our donors about scholarships. We have to uh, give them the opportunity to go other places and learn. So the alliances with the Chamber of Commerce, with you, see what happened. And that's why I mentioned in the beginning of the interview about uh, the relationship with ICF and, and uh, with the two foundations, IFIC and ICF. Because see, uh, the, the, it was a very good relationship with Richard Kai. He started giving us the uh, STEAM uh, program. They couldn't uh, keep going with the STEAM program and they introduced it to you, to UCSD. See how wonderful what's going on right now, you know, this, this alliance. So the same alliance that we're doing as an adults, we have to do them with the kids. And, mm -hmm. uh, and we have to, uh, you know, I don't know, do something with the border, but we have to be uh, allowed to take the kids to San Diego and the kids come to Tijuana because we have beautiful places and, uh, you know, it's, it's a win-win, it's a as I say, said, you know, alliances with the junior uh, uh, commerce uh, or with UCSD or, you know, you, the university students uh, in your university coming to Tijuana and, and teach. We know that the language English is very important, you know. So there, there are many things that we can do together. And for us, uh, alliances are 
very, very important, uh, were strongly believers on, uh, on alliances. Mm -hmm. And this is the, let's say like it's a, the future as just Dalia mentioned for an entrepreneur, you know, um, multiple, multiple uh, links among students. And, and I think our region has always been linked um, for a variety of reasons. But what strikes me is very interesting because we can talk about border policy and we can talk about things. But really, it, what it seems that it comes down to, whether you are a professional or you are a pupil, it's all about relationships. It's all about individual relationships. It's about your connection to the Institute of the Americas and then your connection to the university. And, you know, you can certainly do that by policy mandates, but it seems a lot easier when it's by handshake. Yes, relationships are uh, the best way for the for the fundraising. There are ways to do fundraising with uh, applying for money in uh, for a program or do a big event, but the real fundraising is relationship because the donors give the money because they believe in the people that are asking for the money. You know, that's 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 the, that's the truth. That's that's life. You know, if you are, they tell us if Dalia is going to to um, handle the money. If Antonio is the board of directors, that's why we have the board of the directors that we have because they, they people trust them. People that people trust me because I have been in in the area for forty years, and that's why they give us money. And and education is 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 the the key word for the for the donors, because uh, right now, I mean, art is very important, uh, sports is very important, you know, elderly people is very important. But well, maybe that's because I'm a, an educator. But education for me is the only way. If you want to be healthy, if you want to eat, if you have to want, if you want to travel, if you want to, whatever, you need education. And it's a right for the kids. It's not that we are so nice, good people, how lovely we are that we are helping the people, not the, the kids. No, this is a human right mm -hmm. that the kids, all the kids in the world, they have the right to have education mm -hmm. and not just uh, ABC education. You know, we need to, to give them more and, and it's interesting that you mention education as a human right, because I know that the work that we do uh, within the Division of Extended Studies, particularly through education and community outreach, all of our work is based on the premise that education is a fundamental human right. And I think Kofi Annan uh, from the United Nations um, suggested that, and really it all flows uh, from that point. But what strikes me um, Tony, is that you have found a, a quite a wonderful balance between fiscal capital and social capital and really have found sort of an equivalency between the two, that you can't have one without the other. Um, now, Dalia, back to you. Um, so I'm wondering, as you gain momentum through Avante, so as, 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 as you're pushing through and you're doing this wonderfully creative work what are some of the things that you have learned? Um, and what does the future hold for Avante? What does the future hold for Fundacion Tomasio? Well, what I have learned a lot, 
But if I can just highlight some of that learning that I had, I, I may say the importance of listening to the community. As Tonya already mentioned, at the first stage of the pandemic, we went to the streets to give, to give away hand sanitizers and face masks. Um, then the community told us, we have a problem with the education of our children, and we move directly to that path. Also, I can uh, include in this um, learning uh, the social cost of having adults that didn't receive proper education at their young ages taking important decisions about our country right now. That's so painful. And especially uh, the importance of collaboration instead of assistentialism. And what does the future look like for Avante? Where, what would you like to see five years from now? You mentioned the importance of uh, educating adults. Perhaps is that part of it? Yes, of course, of course. Adults and teachers, adults in the forms of teachers and parents are always equals in our educational program. How do I see the future of Avante? I I see very, very bright, a very bright future. We are going to focus on education. Fundación Tomas Gil, focusing on education and to replicate our school transformation project in other schools in the same condition to implement our hybrid educational program. At this point, Morgan, 40 schools schools couldn't return to in-person classes yet uh, due to its damage or vandalization level. And now, so to open schools to the communities, communities. I, uh, as I was stating before, even if you're not a student or live nearby the school, you should, you should have access to the school in a form of a community center. That is um, really something incredible. And what I want to underscore is that prioritizing education, prioritizing online or hybrid education was not the impetus of the board of directors or the, the leadership of Fundacion, but really came from the community who said, this is a need that we have. How can we work together? How can we collaborate to make sure these needs are addressed? Now, as you know, the 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 title of this series is, is Creative Conversations. And what we want to be able to do is really uh, communicate innovation and uh, creativity to people across the globe who are watching, who may be engaged in similar work or may have, um, you know, questions about how to go about it. And I'm wondering, and this is, uh, Tonya, for you and Dalia both, are there any messages that you would like to give to our viewing audience, um, those who are either in education or, or similar professions, about what you've learned, anything you think they should know? Yes, before, before answering that question, I would like to add something that Dalia said about have this uh, school as a model. And for me, as a fundraiser, um, this school is going to be my main tool when I go to uh, donors and tell the school was like this and now it's like this. So, because sometimes the donors say, and where is my money? You know, I gave money and where is it? Well, where is it? This kid's finished school. This kid is in high school. This kid went to university. So I think I just want to make that, that point. But about my message would be like, um, I think it's very important to um, join force that, uh, it's never too late to help and it's never too little 
it's it's uh, anything you can give. You can give uh, gifts. You can give money. You can give uh, time. You know, uh, it's it's very important that people learn that. Sometimes I, I when I see a friend and I ask for help, I say, well, how, what can I do, Tonya? I mean, you have two thousand. I mean, one. 1,200 kids. I don't have enough money to help you. Do you, how much money do you have? Well, maybe I can give you $100. Give it to me. Because $100 plus $100 will make the difference. So if we join forces with education and with the, with the principals of the school, with the parents, because the parents at the beginning didn't believe it because there was... Uh, too good to be true, right? You know, we're going to do this and that and the bathrooms and, and, and sports. And, but now that they have it, now that they have seen that it's real, now they, they, they are working together with us. So I would tell the people that as little as they can give, as big as they can give, join forces with us, and then we can help, as Dalia said, not just one school but maybe another one and maybe 40 you know because it's possible it's possible so if if i'm hearing you correctly i think what you're saying is that when we're thinking creatively we're thinking collaboratively we're thinking in a flexible way where you know the the solutions we may have envisioned may be different uh, from from what they actually are. And I guess also what I'm hearing is that you go from too good to be true to be too good and too true, if, if you think in an innovative way. Um, Dahlia, what about you? you? You are a creative thinker. Interested to uh, see what you think about all of this. What can I tell you? We are uh, always looking for allies, not only uh, for financial resources, uh, but also uh, to share a same vision about education and also to share about, uh, as I mentioned, the cost of not having well-educated kids to make important choices about a country in the future. Settle. So uh, that will be my message. Uh, we can always <laughs> welcome new alliances to to make these uh, dreams come true as we are doing right now. Tonya, Dalia, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Like in any great conversation, time seems to have just flown by. And I know we will see you again very soon and hopefully on site at the foundation. So thank you to you both. And I would be remiss if I didn't thank all of you for tuning in. And for all of us at Creative Conversations, I have been your host, Morgan Appel. Now go out and change the world.